We'd like to welcome you to episode three of season one of our Mission One podcast, where we look each month at opportunities for people to become involved missionally, both stateside and globally. Privileged today to have Christina Massey with us. She is the Faith Home Administrator. Christina, tell us a little bit about um, who Christina Massey is, family, things like that. Well, I'm originally from Kennett, Missouri. Um, lived and worked in Piggott, Arkansas before I moved to Honduras. I have two sisters, and my mother and father still live in Kennett. have four niece and nephews and a great-nephew that lives in Bernie, Missouri. So even before you went to Honduras, you did some foreign mission work in Arkansas, in, in Piggott, Arkansas, is that right? So, yes, yeah, yes, I was. You to, um, did you have your passport ready to go from Missouri to Arkansas? Or? Yeah, we had to have a passport to cross that state line, you know. Uh, yeah, I lived and worked in Piggott, Arkansas, and a group from my church actually went down to Faith Home, did huh. a little construction uh, mission trip down there, and they came back talking about it and something just, you know, curiosity. I want to go see what that's all about. And um, so I went on my first trip in 2001. And then I was just hooked. I went back every year since, except one one year that I had gotten sick, but um, went multiple times a year until I finally moved there. And if, uh, a few years back, um, you, your family expanded. You have a, yes. a certain, I think, seven-year-old now that's part of your family. I Tell do. us about that. I do. Well, I had never had children, wasn't able to, and had just accepted that was my lot in life. And, and when I went to Honduras you know, felt complete, taking care of all the kids there. So it kind of moved on from that dream that hadn't happened. And then one day, little three-pound baby was laid in my arms and just completely fell in love. And wasn't long after that I felt God, you know, telling me to adopt him, that he was my son. And that was a long, drawn-out, miracle-filled journey. But, yeah, he's just turned seven, and he is such a blessing. Yes, Things don't happen quickly in Honduras, Nothing do they? Nothing happens no. quickly in Honduras. So you said you uh, your first mission MVP teams so are what they called them back then. Mm -hmm. uh, first trip was 2001? Yes. And then you um, went to Honduras as career missionary in what year? 2012. 2012. Mm -hmm. And so um, what, what, what were some of the things that you did on those, these uh, mission trips? I went on medical teams. Okay. Um, Except the one one trip I went to Mexico, we did a little construction there in Juarez, but the rest of the time I went to Honduras on medical teams. And I usually worked, because I love kids, I worked in children's ministry with the medical team. Every once in a while, I think one year I had to do wormer, eyeglasses, use whatever we needed to do. Um, but we would go out into the communities, out into the villages where, you know, healthcare is just, it's complicated there in Honduras right. and non-existent in many areas. And we would go out and just offer whatever we could. And then we would also, you know, share the gospel as we were working alongside them. So um, what was what was your career? What was your job here in the States? I worked in the bank in Piggott, Arkansas. So you went from a Banker. bank <laughs> to uh, an orphanage in Honduras. I did. Um, des describe, describe for us um, how you sensed the calling to go before you ever said yes. Well, it was a process. Um, every year that I went on a short-term team, it felt like there was just a little 
more of me that stayed there. Right. There was this kind of awakening. I don't know if you could. Sure. Because as sure. we went on the mission teams, the short-term teams, it's kind of like you would leave a part of yourself behind. You kind of just disconnected from busy life. And that's when God really speaks to you. And each year there would just be another part that I would let go of. You know, all these things that we have here in the States, all of our um, comforts and blessings. Right. It's every year, one year I remember coming back and saying, my goodness, my little shed is bigger than most of their houses. Right. You know, and there was just like this awakening to what is life like in a poverty-filled nation. And so each time there was just a little more, and then just falling in love with the people and and just being a part of that, being knowing that I didn't do anything, but just being a part of that, being able to give back and seeing them appreciate it and seeing the awakening in them as we went. Um, it was just like God said, you know, there's more, there's more. And so now whenever you come back stateside, which until... Um, Last two year. year. Last year was mm-hmm. the first time in how many years that you'd been back stateside? Well, I had popped in for like little short trips, um, a wedding and and uh, a graduation in between. But during the process of his adoption, I didn't come back for a long term until last year. So when the adoption was final. So how how big of an, an adjustment is it to come back from Honduras to the states? Huge. So and, are, and they do try to prepare you for that. We go to mission training before sure. we move to the field, and and many things stick with me, and I remember it. And I still did it the other day. Dad sent me in for hot dogs, and I about had a meltdown. Why are there so many different kinds of hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do you want? You want the jumbos? You want the cheeseville? Do you want the long ones? The short ones? What? What? You know, there's right. we have so many more options here, and so every once in a while it's a little bit overwhelming. Um, and then there's a sense of not belonging sometimes sure. because I feel like our home is in Honduras, but then when I'm here, obviously this is home. Right. And so we're torn between two homes, but this world isn't our home. So, right. exactly. so when you can that's, grasp that's that, that, you know, we're never going to be at right. home in this world. But it is it is quite a process to adapt to the changes. So last last year would have been Josh's first time back to the states. Yes. So it what was. was that like for him? He was six it, years old at that point. He I guess? was just turned six, and he was just amazed. Um, of course, he had seen YouTube videos and TV, and you sure. know, you try to prepare, but everything was just wow. You know, this is so neat and. Walmart, oh my goodness, you know, go to Walmart. What is, of course, I had to tell him ahead of time, we're not buying everything you see, but just amazed at all the things that you can do. And I think for me, the, I guess, most humbling, neatest thing was um, when I told him he could go outside and play at my dad's house. That's where we stay in mm-hmm. an apartment there. And he was like, aren't you coming with me? I'm like, no, honey, you're fine. And, and he goes, is it safe? Wow. I'm like, yeah, honey, you're safe here. This is where I grew up. Papa's neighborhood is perfectly safe. Or when we go out in public, and and of course I do hold his hand, but there's always this clinging. And so everywhere it's like, is it safe here, Mom? Is it safe here? Are these good people? Because he's grown up knowing that you've got to always be careful. We're not always in a safe environment, and you always got to keep your eyes open to what's going on around you. And so him learning to just kind of let go, I was actually quite impressed. We walked in the headquarters building this morning, and immediately in Sue's office, you know, he's in there making himself at home. We go over to Susan, and he's taking off his shoes, laying back, <laughs> and he, he's, okay, I'm safe here. You know, it's okay. Yeah, These are our people. You yes, know? absolutely. And so, of course, you know, 
my story, Christine, my first trip on uh, mission trip was 2,700. So for a lot of people, um, finally getting out of your comfort zone and going changes everything. I know uh, in Honduras, Rodney and Teresa first started mission trips. Mm-hmm. Robin first started mission trips. And so as, as you look at your job now, um, Faith Home Administrator, it's a, it's a big title, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what role or roles do, do Mission One teams fulfill now as they come to Faith Home? Like describe, describe some of the needs that they fulfill at Faith Home today. For the most part, they're there just to kind of be a supplement to help. You know, we have an amazing Honduran national staff there. And for the most part, we let them kind of take the lead in things. So we're there to be support to them, and the mission teams come to be support to all of us. Um, They get to do a variety of things. Sometimes there's a construction project or there's outreach. They'll go out with Rodney and Teresa to do outreach out in the communities Um, We always have a time with the Faith Home children. They're not with the children all the time every day because, as you know, our kids, they have a life and they have a routine. They have to go to school and homework and they have their devotion time. And we try to not disrupt their everyday normal life as much as possible. But then we still want the teams to be able to, to meet them and know them and for the kids to know that there's somebody out there that is praying for them and loves them. One of the, I think, the most important thing for anybody coming on a short-term team is just to be willing to disconnect a little bit from all the busyness of your life and just let God speak. Right. And that's the most right. amazing thing is that He will show you. Maybe it's something about what you're doing on that team that week, or maybe it's something about your life back home. Right. But if you'll just kind of disconnect a little bit and let Him be in control, it's the most amazing experience ever. And I've, I've told people that the best thing that Chris and I could do when we were raising Katie, who's 31 now with three kids, was take her on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, during one of the days, she comes up to us crying and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what? For not being more appreciative. We had gone to a government orphanage and, and mm-hmm. did a bean and rice distribution. And she said, I'm never going to say I'm starving again. And so I think those kind of experiences, yeah. um, do you also... Um, agree that sometimes people confuse that with not, not everyone's called to be a career missionary. Right. But how did you know that it wasn't just, okay, you're feeling um, sorry for the Honduran, so I'm going to go. How did you know that you were called to go? Um, for me, it was a process. And I had prayed probably a couple of years prior, here I am, Lord, send me. And because I'd been going to Honduras so much, I knew that that would be my default. So I actually fought it. Because I didn't want it to be just go with the easy, go with what you know. Right. You know, is it that you want me to step up more in ministry? Because I was involved in ministry in my home church. Is it there's something else you want for me to do here? Is it another country? Is is it missions or is it just a a deeper deeper commitment here? Um, So I had prayed that prayer a couple of years prior and actually fought it. Sure. Um, Because the easy, everyone was telling me. I actually probably before I even knew oh, you just need to go be a missionary in Honduras. And I would be like, well, I'm not qualified. Where would I fit? You know, that that just doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, no, I'm not qualified. But, you know, God can use the unqualified. And so I actually was on a trip in September of 2011, and my pastor had went on that trip with me. And so I was still in that searching and we were standing outside. It's actually Yvonne and Henry's house uh-huh. where they were having church in Pimienta. 
and we were having church and praying. And it was just in that moment, it was so clear. This, this is where you belong. Right. And it was almost like an audible voice. Yeah. Wow. And from that point on, everyone just affirmed it. Every step of the way, I'm like, okay, God, well, if this is you, then this will happen. You know, so-and-so, well, this will work. And, and every step of the way, it's like everything just fell into place. And less than a year later, I was living there full right. time. So, I mean, that had to be a God thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what I want our listeners to understand, it wasn't that you didn't have a job, that you needed to find a job. No, I had it a It wasn't good that job. you didn't have <clears throat> ministry. You were active in ministry. It wasn't that you weren't close. You're very close to your family. Yes. But whenever God calls us, we have to say yes, or else we're disobedient at that point. Is mm-hmm. that a fair statement? Yes. And so um, how have things, you said 2000, from 2012 to 2023, how have the needs and the focus at Faith Home, how has it changed? I guess the focus has changed a little because at that point we hadn't had, when I first arrived, mm-hmm. we hadn't had very many transition out. So there was a lot of unknown in that area, right. just literally unknown because we hadn't walked it. Describe or define what transition out. What's that look when like? When I what say age? transition out, it's like when the children turn 18, then they've got, we've got to find where are they going to live, where are they going to work. You know, we've got to put them back into society. And we actually start the process before they turn sure. 18, but, but that's the change point. Um, and so we had many that were 18 and over. Um, whenever I arrived, and there was just a lot of unknowns. And so, sadly, we've learned <clears throat> as we go. Right. Um, you know, through some mistakes, through some good things. But so we've had to really, I guess, focus more on preparing them earlier, constantly talking about one day you're going to leave. Not, not as a threat, not as trying to be, you know, we want them to feel secure and sure. safe and in a family. But we also want them to face reality. Someday you're going to live out there. So thankfully, we have a psychologist on staff that works with them from an early age sure. to prepare them for going out. And and it's always kind of like, what can we do better? Sure. What can we do better? It's not we do our very best with each, with each and every one of them. Each one is a different case. Um, depends on you know their personality, right. their giftedness, their level of education what they can do, where they can live, where they can work. Um, so it's just doing our very best with each and every case as they have to leave. Now, from 2012 to today, there's been more uh, foster care that you have done. Mm-hmm. Has that changed? Yes. Actually, <clears throat> probably the foster care more started around 2017. Okay. There was a change in the child welfare, welfare system, maybe the staff, and, and just a different focus for them. Um, before that time, it was rare that anyone ever even came looking for a kid. Um, They literally, they would take them and put them in the orphanages, and they were kind of forgotten. There was a disconnect. No one knew where the files were. There was no social report. No one knew where the family was, and so they just grew up with us. Um, But as that change in the administration happened, there became more of a focus of, hey, is there a family out there? Can we um, try to do something with the family that they have so that they can be restored and so that they can go back with their family. And so since 2017, there's been 57 wow. children that have actually been either reunited with their original family or maybe with an extended family sure. member um, so that they can grow up in, in their own family. Sure. And we call it Faith Home Orphanage. Reality is some of them are true orphans. Mom and dad have died, but others are not 
are not true orphans. Um, yeah. The so majority d- actually are not right. orphans. There's very few that are true orphans. My son, Isaiah, right. actually is. There's there's no knowledge right. of his parents. There's only a few other cases like that. The others have family, but their family either can't or won't take right. care of them, or they've come from an abused or abandoned you know, situation to where that they need to be removed from that and put into a safe environment. And and because um, our number one priority, obviously, is, is to show them the love of Christ, but we also want the children to stay safe. Um, since 2001 for you, 2007 for me, this thing called technology has drastically changed. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so um, what are some... Um, Things that we have to avoid now with Teams, uh, Facebook, things such as that. Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, One, there's a law there that we cannot share their pictures on public social media. We have a little loophole that says that we can share their faces with members of our organization. And so that's why we created the Faith Home page where you have to friend us and we have to vet the people that are seeing the kids' faces because we consider General Baptist as members of our organization. But you can't just post them out on, you know, Snapchat, Twitter, all of the different places, Facebook. Um, You can't do that, Instagram, because um, their safety. There's some of these kids, I mean, one, it's the law, but the other thing is their safety because some of these kids, if these family members found them, you know, they don't know where they are. Right. But suddenly it shows up out there on social media and they start tracing them down and figure out where they're at, those kids can be in danger. The rest of the kids at Faith Home can be in danger. We've had a couple of situations over the years, kind of scary, of of situations where dangerous family members have come to the gate because they figured out where their kids are. Right. Um, so we do everything we can to prevent Absolutely. that from happening. And I... I, I what surprised me for some reason, I mean, it really is worldwide technology. These mm-hmm. people may not be able to have enough food to eat or health care, but they have technology. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to, to find. And so for security, um, just to go a little further with that, what are, as team members come, I mean, they, they're coming for the right reason. They want to make a change, but what are, what are some ways they need to prepare themselves before they come to Honduras? Um, because, I think our goal for the Mission One program is we don't want a team to leave and the missionaries to say, oh, man, I'm glad that team's gone now. <laughs> or we don't want teams or missionaries or nationals to have to undo some things that were done or try to fix right. some things that were promised that shouldn't have been. So what are some things some some things that, that team members need to understand before they come? Well, I think, first of all, leave the Savior complex behind. Right. Describe you know? what you mean by that. I, well, I agree, but go ahead. And I fell in that trap, sure. too, the, in the early years. It's like, I'm going to go save the world. You know, there, I'm going to do something to make a difference. And, of course, we are. But you've got to be humble in that and, and be able to be flexible and adaptable and willing to just um, serve. Right. If you can go with a servant mentality and I'm just going to help wherever I can help. And, um, of course, you've got to take your pictures for your memories. But think about why are we taking that picture? Right. Right. Because if you're handing out some beans and rice and you're holding up that camera for a selfie, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You want your church to see what you did. But just stop and pause for a minute. Am I doing this to show what I did? Or am I doing this to show what the mission is doing and the people that we're helping? Is the focus the people or is the focus me? Right, right. 
That's good. I know um, one of the trips I was on, Rodney had said, uh, it's okay to take pictures, but ask yourself, why are you taking the picture? Absolutely. And then um, now that I have three uh, grandsons, um, I've asked people, would you want some stranger to take a picture of your child or grandchild? And so what's our reason for for doing that? Um, You you mentioned before some of the national, so um, you have a a, a psychologist on staff there. Um, also, what are some other uh, nationals that are employed there at Faith Well, Home? we have Pastor Miguel, yes. which he works, everything crosses over. Yes. We've got all the different ministries, but really neatly, they all just cross over. Right. Pastor Miguel works with church planning with Rodney and does the Bible Institute, but he also is our campus pastor. So he can run errands for us. He can counsel our house parents, our children. Um, it's just, just another um, support staff that he can do anything we need him to do. Um, we actually have our maintenance guy, Mauricio. Yes. Mauricio's the maintenance guy, but he's also a mentor to our older teenage boys and some of the house parents. There's just a relationship there. We have our doctor that works with Teresa in the clinic, and so she makes sure, her and Teresa make sure that all of the kids have their um, wellness checks and do preventative medical things so that we don't, hopefully don't arrive at an emergency situation. Right. We have Mr. Etter, who's on staff in the school. He is a certified teacher, but currently he is filling the role of um, tutor. So he coordinates all of our education. He's like my filter. So he talks to the school, and then he lets me know, is there a learning issue? Is there a behavior issue? Is there something going on? And then he helps all the kids with the homework in the afternoon. Um, Also, Eduarda is Pastor Miguel's wife. And she serves as, now she's volunteer, strictly volunteer, but she's a mentor for the ladies. She's always coordinating the women's events and having prayer time with our um, house moms and things like that. And then, as you mentioned, the psychologist, she just helps wherever needed, not only in the psychological area, but in overseeing the the house parents and the staff and the and the things that are going on on right. campus. And I think would you agree that there are there are some roles that are needed there at Faith Home that um, a missionary just can't fulfill. Somebody from the states. I think the psychologists. Um, mm-hmm. Even I mean, you're only going to know so much of the language, but even how do you understand body language? How do you understand culture? Things such as that. And yeah. I, I think that was a critical piece that we had to have there, wasn't it? They told us when we were, when I was in mission training before I moved, that minimum eight years before you can speak the heart language. Mm. You can speak the language in a year or less, but before you can truly understand and have those heart-to-heart conversations, which I thought was just ridiculous, right? but I'm seeing now that it's true because I'm just now to the place that I can have those heart-to-heart conversations more than just, hello, how are you? What's going on? Um, So, yeah, when you get into the psychological level, it has got to be one of their people that can actually get down to the root of what's going on with the kids. So in in addition to um, Mission One teams, we've had uh, interns, short-term missionaries, is there a need for somebody that has a strong education background that could come to spend a few weeks with, with Robin and Mr. Edder there? Are there other needs where somebody could come for a, a few weeks at a time? Yeah, I think if we had a teacher that was willing to come in and work under Robin, um, they could actually help with teaching the English, and they wouldn't necessarily have to know Spanish. Okay. Um, so that Robin could help focus more on the special needs. We have several special needs right. cases that need a little bit more reinforcement. Um, so Robin's juggling both, 
So I think, yeah, if there was somebody that could come in and work with her and help with the English so that she could concentrate more on that, um, that would be a great internship. And I think um, one, of, one of the things that, that we try to do now is somebody goes on a mission trip for one week and they've decided they want to be a career missionary. We'll do a, uh, a next step, mm-hmm. which will be for a few weeks. Describe what it was like for you going from being there for a week with a team and then you're there. There's no teams there. Um, yeah. It gets dark early in Honduras. So describe yeah. what that's like for you. Well, you absolutely have to be able to be comfortable being by yourself mm-hmm. because you're by yourself a lot. Um, and Well, you're not by yourself. Being alone right. with God right. is... Um, the social part of being on a team, I mean, you're the complete opposite when the teams aren't there. There's there's a lot of hours in the day when, when there's not other people around to speak English to. So a person has to truly be prepared for that. If, if it's a person that needs a lot of social interaction, it would be hard to be there by yourself. Right. Um, but, but as long as you prepare your mind ahead of time that this is the way it's going to be and you're comfortable in that, it's a very rewarding experience. So what would be, um, as we're tying things up, what, what would be some current needs at Faith Home that people listening could help with? I'm obviously going on a trip, but sometimes you're not able to do that. So what are some ways uh, that people can be involved? Prayer, first and foremost, all the time. Right. We need prayer warriors for the children, for the staff, house parents. It's hard to get right. good house parents to raise kids um, that aren't their own. Um, so we need prayer for that. We need prayer for the missionaries. And then financially, um, we do have the sponsorship program. And that is wonderful because that's what takes care of all the kids' needs, right. all the operations of, you know, their food, their education, the house parents to take care of them, the overhead of maintaining the campus. Um, but we have several, and I, and I am thankful for them, that are willing to just give undesignated funds right. to Faith Home. And that's what's making up the difference because there is a shortage in sponsorship. We are way low on just monthly committed donors. But we have several that give undesignated and just say, hey, use it wherever it's needed. When they do that, if it's not designated as something specific, it goes into the operation fund. So that fills in the gap of where maybe there's not enough sponsorship at the moment. So what's Um, what's a sponsorship? How much is that? $25 a month. And that's just basically it's a commitment. So and you say you're sponsoring a specific child, you can either pick the child or I would assign them. And then what happens is we send you updates on that child as they're growing up. We send you on their birthday and Christmas and let you just see how they're changing and what's going on in their life. Um, The others, the ones that say undesignated, they just receive a general picture of all the kids and, and just the general updates of what's going on at Faith Home. Um, another thing education wise, if someone just has a heart that they want to send to education, we do have an education fund and that helps with the extra needs, um, in Robin's class with the special needs. Um, we also sometimes will do like just recently we did an outing, um, so that they could go to the movies and went to the science museum. So if someone feels a need to give to that, they could give to the education fund. There's also project funds. Um, we are going to have to build another house because of the earthquake. And so anything that comes into project funds is the things that aren't just everyday operations. So like when, well, last year we had the chapel. Right. That we had issues and we had to redo the chapel. We use the project funds for that. So if someone is more like maintenance oriented but they can't go, they could send to the project fund and then that would take care of whatever we need to do 
to do these big fixes or build a house or whatever. Right. And it's, I know people love to collect items to, to send down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's becoming more and more challenging, isn't it? Because of uh, extra costs, even being stopped at the airport, you might have to pay extra fees, yeah. those kind of things. And so th- it, I guess that's, that's why uh, people will give money. It also helps them um, keep people employed in Honduras, the, economy, that, the yeah. economy there, doesn't it? Yeah, we can buy basically anything in Honduras now. And so that does help the economy if people can send um, to help buy the kids' clothing and their shoes and things like that, then we just turn around and we buy it. It's a blessing when they arrive, but it is a pain to get them there anymore, trying to get them through customs, like you said, and and currently we're not shipping containers. So basically we buy everything there. Anytime I come home, I try to fill up a suitcase, um, but we also have to be careful even how we pack that because sure. they want to turn around and charge us taxes for bringing in clothes for the kids. So. Um, yeah, if they want to send to just the general fund, then that helps take care of all of their just everyday needs and their clothing and supplies for the houses. We spend about 1000 1500 a month just on the cost of supplies, which is shampoo and soap and cleaning supplies, toothpaste, all of the basics. So if, if somebody would want to uh, get updates from, from you from Faith Home, what would they mm-hmm. need to do? Um, just send me an email at faithhome.honduras at gmail.com, and okay. I will add them to the mailing list. Okay. You can also reach out to me, jim.pratt at generalbaptist.com, and we, I could forward that information. Also, if you would like to participate in the team or a short-term trip as well. Christine, is there anything else that you need to share that I didn't ask? I'm just thankful for General Baptist and the vision mm. they had almost 30 years ago yeah. now for wow. Faith Home and for the ministry in Honduras and for the faithfulness to continue to pray and to send so that we can continue the ministry. Absolutely. And there's been so many teams that have that have gone to Faith Home, even missionaries at other fields, their first mission trip was Honduras. So it does have a, a special place in our heart. Christina, how, um, how can the people listening pray for Christina? I'm in a tough season right now with my parents. Okay. Um, so I am home this summer visiting them but I will go back at the end of July, and that'll be hard to leave them. Sure. Um, My heart is still in Honduras, and I feel like that's where God has called me to be. So being away from them at this season in their life is a lot harder than I ever expected. Sure. So I appreciate prayers in that. All right. Hey, let's pray now. God, I thank you that uh, many years ago, Christina Massey said yes to a mission trip. And God, on that first trip, she had no idea how you were going to change her life. God, I thank you that she said yes to becoming a career missionary. Thank you that you blessed her with Josh. God, I also pray that you would sustain her now. I pray that you would be merciful um, to her mom and dad. And God, just help her to continue to have uh, good times visiting with them. God, thank you for the privilege we have to join you in what you're doing in Honduras. We pray through Jesus. Amen. I want to thank Christina for joining us today. And again, um, please reach out to us. Please like and share our podcast. And we look forward to talking to you next month. Have a good day.